Hey, small group leaders, uh, Joey here with another week of questions from this past weekend sermon. And so I'm sitting here with Pastor Sean, uh, Shawnee, can I call you Shawnee? Shawnee Poo? Is that okay? (laughs) We've already digressed. It's a question, so I had to ask Is that a question? It's one of the questions. Can we call our Pastor Shawnee Poo? Shawnee Poo, yes. Uh, No, I figured we could jump right in. you want to answer to the Lord for what you call your pastor? We'll go with Shawnee Poo. So we have four questions from this weekend's sermon, and we'll start with number one here. It says, is it true that God doesn't have a physical body? Um, When Jesus was resurrected into his perfect glorified body, didn't the same body also ascend into heaven, and isn't Jesus God? So that's like four questions in one question. It's a Trinitarian question. It's a great question, uh, because I did mention... Uh, in my sermon, that God is spirit, and so even though we're made in the image of God and we have a physical body, that uh, God does not have a physical body. So it's a Trinitarian question is what's being asked, which is a wonderful question. Um, uh, when I first read the question, the thing that went to my mind was Hebrews chapter 1, uh, which we looked at this summer, verses 1 to 3. Long ago, the author of Hebrews writes, at many times in many ways God spoke to our fathers by prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, who he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So Christ here is be given, get, being given um, the agent of creation. Uh, verse 3, he is, meaning Jesus, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Uh, and then it goes on to the work that he did after making purifications for sin. He sat down at the right hand of the ma- of the ma- hand of the majesty on high. So um, the Trinitarian thing is there is understanding the distinctions of the Trinity. So this is the great mystery of the Trinity. God is one, revealed himself in three persons. And so the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, yes, does have a, a f- now a glorified body, uh, his resurrected body, which we can anticipate having one day when he returns. So that's the great news that we all have to look forward to. Yep, absolutely. And so just to uh, piggyback off of that a little bit, uh, and I think you hit on it really well in this past weekend's sermon, but a part of reflecting, being a, uh, creating the image of God and, and, and um, uh, for lack of a better word, the responsibilities that come with being created in the image of God, um, according to Genesis, seem to uh, come down to just a couple of things, starting with verse 29 in Genesis chapter 1. It uh, after it says that God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female. That's verse 27. Uh, verse 28 says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And so that seems to be the um, essentially a, like a dominion commission that God gives to image bearers that leads us into... Uh, the next question, which is, um, it says, because the Bible doesn't speak of population control, does that mean it's necessarily sinful? Be fruitful and multiply. Is that a timeless truth, or is it specific to an uninhabited earth, coming from the viewpoint that the balance of human populace with our available natural resources are greatly imbalanced? And so I think what, I I, I think there's a, a, a ton in this question. These are, again, multiple questions, but um, what does it mean um, when God commands those that he's created in his image, uh, which is 
every person he's ever created. What what does it mean to be fruitful and multiply? Can you unpack that just a little bit more for us, and then we can move along to the multiple questions within question two here? Yes, I mean, I think it means we should have children if we're capable, you know, if the Lord gives us that um, ability. I know the Lord opens and closes the womb, so there'll be some people probably in your small groups that maybe are trying to have children and can't, so I do want to yeah. be careful with that answer. You know, I mean, that's that's a, the Lord thing, but I think children are a good thing. We, sh- you know, I know there's the um, we even discussed before we answered these questions a little bit. You know, in China, they're limiting how many children you could have. That's not the answer to the lack to the apparent lack of natural resources that sometimes we look around and do. We have enough natural resources. I think this is where conservation comes in and having dominion comes in. That we, it's a good thing to figure out how to conserve. It's a good thing how to. Um, think about how to use our natural resources. This is the reasoning piece that God has given the human race, um, that we should think and we should have health care and we should you know, figure out the answer to population. The answer to limited natural resources is not population control, I guess is what I'm getting at. So, um, so it's a good thing to have children at the beginning. That's what it means to be fruitful and multiply. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a stewardship aspect. I think it's a family decision about how many children a, fam- a particular family wants to have. I know a lot of people believe in having really, really big families, and I don't think the Bible hinders that. Um, you know, if as a family you can provide and do all the things you need to do, and then, of course, we know the Lord tells us He's going to provide, so there's also a faith element in this journey when it comes to children, and um, nor do I think we should tell parents, hey, you should only have one because the earth's not big enough for all of us. I don't. That's not the answer I don't think that, I think that's unbiblical, actually. Yeah, I think at its heart, it it <coughs> reveals two things. One, it's uh, what is our view of God, and so when we speak of natural resources and whether there's enough or there's not enough, um, really gets to a deeper question, which is, do we believe God created a world that can sustain life here right. and and continue to sustain life until He uh uh returns for his people right i read the question when i first heard i'm still processing this question so whoever asked it i hope i'm answering what you're asking um i when i first heard it my initial thought was this command is being given to two people and there's a whole lot of planets so Mm -hmm. cover it but now maybe it feels like the planet is smaller and so maybe we should rethink the command which i I would say, no, I don't think we need to rethink the command. I think the command still stands. And that was part of the point I was attempting to make, that there's 7 billion people on the planet, and I think man using technology in a positive way and using their intellect and our reason and working together in communities and even in in entire cultures, we've figured out ways to sustain 7 billion people and life on the planet. And I think as we continue to have healthy dominion, over the earth we can continue to ha- have more people on planet earth yeah for sure so that that excites me that's a good thing yep absolutely the um and this gets a little bit into the the third question here which is what i wanted to spend a little bit a little bit more time on um uh it's essentially is the command to be fruitful and multiplied centered around god duplicating or expanding his glory and i wanted to spend just a minute um thinking through that a little bit because uh, what we see in the book of Genesis when God created Adam and Eve is he created them and they were in perfect relationship with him. They, there, there was no sin there. Um, they enjoyed fellowship with God without it being hindered by anything. 
and uh, and so they enjoyed that relationship with God, and God gave them a purpose, and He He gave them work to right. do, and that work was good, and that work was to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth and to to rule over the earth for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, the serpent comes on the scene, uh, tempts Eve. Adam and Eve succumb to the temptation. Sin enters the picture. We inherit our sinful nature from Adam. You talked you talk about that this past Sunday, spent time on that. And so all of a sudden our relationship with God is fractured. And then also our ability to be obedient to the initial commands that God gave to Adam and Eve are also hindered and right. broken and messed up. We can no longer do those things to the glory of God. Right. And so if I flip over to to God wrapping himself in flesh... Um, uh, rev- uh, person and work of Christ, right? Christ lived, he died, he rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's he's um, purchased uh, salvation uh, f- for his church. Yeah, it is a long question. Um, this is your passion, man. I yeah, know this yeah, is a yeah. big passion of yours. Yeah. So, dominion and... Yeah, dominion, and, and so what I love is, so so God through Christ... Has has put us back into a right relationship with God, and and it's kind of brought us back into this Eden type yep. thing where where man can now enjoy relationship with God because of Christ and His righteousness. And Christ didn't end there; He didn't just save the church and and then ascend into heaven. He saved the church, and then just like God the Father gave Adam and Eve work to do, He gave us as Christians work to do. Right. And we we know that as the Great Commission. Right. Uh, and to me, and you can correct me as a, if I'm wrong, but the way that I see it is, uh, the Great Commission is a another form of this commission to have dominion over the earth. And so, so I think right. we fulfill the Great Commission when Christian families have Christian kids raise right. raise kids right. to love God. And so, and you you mentioned even the pro life movement even this week, right? The pro life movement. Being um, uh, versus um, people who look at children as a hindrance and, and choose to abort them, um, our movement uh, of, of valuing life and promoting a pro-life movement will outlast the pro-choice movement if Christians are obedient to being fruitful and multiplying because we're pro-life, we're going to have children that are pro-life, they're going to have children that are pro-life. Right. And so that, that Dominion Commission finds a fulfillment in there, and then it finds fulfillment in, in uh, the dominion part is to go to every tribe, every tongue. You know, you, you talk about that all the time, and you teach us that here, the uh, to teach the supremacy, supremacy of Christ to the nations, to, to go out and proclaim that Jesus is king and, and that he's purchased his church that was life, death, and resurrection. That It's also a type of dominion right. commission. But there's no question, and I think you're hitting on something that I'm passionate about, and that's the idea that when you have children, you know, I think we live in a culture that you know, a lot of us are raising our children to get a good education, to get a good job, to be successful, and w- we need to change our mindset. We need to be raising disciples yeah. first and foremost. We, we fulfill the commission, the Great Commission. In our, the first place we need to go is in our own homes, and if and then if we're doing that, which is what you're talking about, the legacy of faith is passed on generationally. Yeah. In a, you know, we win, yeah. right? We, yeah. you know, yeah. good wins, dominion wins. Um, as God originally intended it, and so, um, you know, we have a we have a great opportunity even in this church in our own homes, small group leaders, as you as you're teaching your people. I mean, the first disciples that are 
your small groups should be investing in is our children. And yeah. What a great resource to fulfilling both the jobs that we have fruitful yeah. multiply dominion and now the great commission yeah. you know so in that the second adam has given us yep absolutely so was that a question uh it felt it felt it like just it. felt like it was you yeah, that was hmm. your passion yeah. i can put a question mark on the end of it if you'd like <laughs> by raising your voice yeah. <laughs> um so here's the uh final question say, i mean I am, so ron burgundy? I am ron burgundy <laughs> Uh, I mean, so it was the question of does being fruitful and multiply, is that centered around uh, expanding the glory of God? And so I, f- I think we answered that right. that question. And back to the first part of the question, um, you know, what, what was a great uh, thing, to, I think, for us to think about is, is what is God's chief end? What is God's purpose, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so God's greatest purpose is to bring glory to himself, to all of his character and who he is, you know, and, um, of course, there's probably some debate about what I would say now, but, you know, we can ask the question, well, why in the world did God put a tree in the middle of the garden that even gave man the opportunity to fall into sin, and, you know, um, several great writers, one, C.S. Lewis has sowed the seed in my mind of the idea that it's the best of all possible worlds for God to display all the characteristics of his glory and of his character, you know, so... You know, had Adam and Eve not fallen into sin, how, how, how would we know? Uh, we have a redemptive God and a, a suffering servant in Christ. And um, so, you know, all these things are a part of re- revealing to us in eternity future all the very characteristics and ultimately the ultimate glory of our Creator. So I don't know if that helps some. Yeah, it does. It does. So this is the final question. Um, it says, how should the image of God, the fact that we're created in the image of God, um, how should that affect the way that we treat those of a different race? Great question. Yeah, especially in, in today's culture. Yeah, culture. And I, I hope I touched on this when I saw the question. I was like, man, maybe I wasn't clear. Um, but uh, there's no question that every race is valuable. Every, every race is um, a part of, and I even think, I mean, I think we see this in, in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5, when we get this glimpse into heaven, every tribe, tongue, and nation, I, I even wonder, okay, this is Sean Brown wondering, so take it for what it is, I sometimes wonder if even there won't be, when we get to heaven, the, the beauty of the differences of cultures, you know, of tribes, tongues, and nations, worshiping together, working together to, for the glory of God, that, um, each culture brings it, so even apart from race, each culture brings its own unique aspects which help us see a different aspect of the glory of God. So, um, so yes, every race is valuable um, because they're made in the image of God. So, Could you give us a, a bit of commentary to the, even this passage, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 3? 28 through 29 says there's neither Jew nor Gentile neither slave nor free there's uh, nor is there male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus if you belong to Christ then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise no, that's a great question so I, I so let me get to the what I think you're hinting at <laughs> this is usually the passage that's used to eliminate functional order yeah. that God has created so this is the passage that's pointed to well you know there is there is no differences between men and women that's what's pointed to yeah. and this is the yep. passage point there you know we don't have to have a certain marital function because there's no men or women there's no 
And, and, and the idea here is that we're all created in the image of God, therefore we all have value. Men and women have equal value. Men and uh, Jew and Gentile have equal value. That is true, but that doesn't mean that God has eliminated a functional order. And, yeah. and again, I think this is where the Trinity, that's so important to our understanding, that God himself is one God, and all three persons of God had, are equal. Yeah. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when, you know, the very first question about God being spirit, yet Jesus having a body, you know, the question is, isn't Jesus God? Yes, Jesus is God. But there are distinctions in the Godhead, functional distinctions, even submission. I mean, we see Jesus here on earth talking about how he submitted to the will of the Father. Wasn't doesn't in any way make Jesus a lesser role, and in fact, Philippians two tells us that, that that whole role gets flipped on its head because of his resurrection. He's the one now that God the Father is exalted, and that's who we were. He's the object of our worship, is Christ. Um, so, um, so let, we can't confuse two issues. But I mean, this is the passage that gets pointed to to con- to make us confused. Yeah. So go ahead. You yeah. you you brought the text up. So no no no. I, it was it, it was <laughs> just. I mean, I think that was exactly right. Was seeing the distinctions um, is what they are. They're they're distinctions as far as is the role and the function goes. Yeah. But they're they're not. Uh, I think this passage makes clear that uh, every. Every man, woman, child, every nation, every tribe, every tongue needs the gospel. Right. Uh, and the gospel makes no distinctions of persons, race, gender, any of that. Correct. This is talking about how people get saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ yeah. in this whole passage, chapter 3. and then, So then what happens is when we go over to Ephesians 5, and Paul is now talking specifically about marriage, we take this passage and we overlay it. Yeah. That's a yeah. misuse of Galatians 3. Yeah. Galatians 3 is specifically talking about how the, everybody has to be saved by Christ, by bowing a knee, repenting of sin, bowing a knee to the Lordship of Christ. There's no distinction, man, woman, race, um, Jew, Gentile, you yeah. know, we all bow a knee to Christ to be saved. And then we look at other teachings on things like marriage or government or other things where Paul does get more specific, and there is a functional order for our homes to operate biblically, our culture, government, churches, you know, there is functional order inside of all of these things that God has given us. So we can't use Galatians 3 to trump those other Yeah. I'm hesitant to use the word. You Trump. just said you I just know, said Trump. Yeah, is so. that that's not an endorsement? No, it's not an endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> See, um, uh, and so no, I com- completely agree. And and it's it's a reminder too that that uh, um, Christ is not only our Savior, but He's our example for for how we treat people of different races. Um, mm-hmm. And and um, right, so, which and, is, and I think uh, our John four. Yeah, and the woman at the well. Absolutely, and, you know, uh, of of anyone that w- would have been a racial outcast, it would have been this woman. Yet Christ immediately showed her compassion, built a relationship with her, loved her, and then called her sin out. Yeah, you know, and gave her the gospel, and um, in a loving way, gave her the greatest truth that she could have, which was repentance and faith. So, so what would you? What would your encouragement be if you could just put it in a sentence, and then we'll. Be I'm done a preacher, man. We don't to put a, anything in one sentence. In three points, in an yeah, illustration, poem, what can a, you uh, video clip in a song to a to a brother and sister? Uh, you know, I grew up in the South, and uh, I was around a lot of Christians who struggled with racism, and and um, yeah. and so, what would you say to a Christian or brother who 
some of the residual effects of or mindsets of racism uh, is still has still tainted their thinking what what would your encouragement to them be as a as a fellow christian i think it has to be personal to a person you have to love someone of a different race um get to know someone of of a different race um i ministered in the south and um when i was a student pastor and took uh, my youth group on a trip to inner city Jacksonville and it I mean it changed a bunch of white folks lives they said yeah. that you know because they they loved on children of a different race and and when it becomes relational and individual and personal and um, and that's so so you know one, one of the things that I hope for coastal is that we become more multicultural I think that the church should be the place where in a Galatians three sense, it's equal footing at the yeah. foot of the cross. Yeah. You know, we all bow a knee, and so we, people of red and yellow, black and white. You know, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, and so, so one of the things we can do at Coastal is you know, celebrate what God is doing as He's bringing more diversity here, and I think that's fantastic, and I'm so thankful to the Lord that. Uh, we're seeing more diversity. I think it's a good thing for Coastal Community Church. I think we can continue to even be a beacon of, uh, we, maybe and maybe the Lord and His grace will allow us to lead out in that uh, in that way in the, in this community. You yeah. know, we can say, hey, there's ra- racial reconciliation here because of Christ. You know, so no, we all bow a knee in humility to Christ. So I don't know if that answers your question. No, that's good. It what does. would you say? Uh, I, so you. yours was a run-on sentence. So if I said put it in a sentence, yours was like a run-on I sentence. I said it was but, relational. That um, was the short. Um, I, I think mine would be to consider the example of our Savior, and it's that the 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 gospel um, should change the way uh, that we think about uh, race. And 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 I think if we if we were more gospel-minded, we we wouldn't have the racial tensions that. That exists today, and I think the church. I mean, William Wilberforce was a, a Christian man at the forefront of calling out slavery and 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 pushing for racial equality. And and I think if the church isn't the prominent voice, um, calling racism out clearly and and calling Christians to repent and 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 to come together as. Uh, uh, Christ is the head of one body, not of of multiple bodies, and and so the and, and it's up to the church. God's given He's given the responsibility to the church to to be the example for racial reconciliation. And so, if the church isn't going to to take the banner of race, racial reconciliation, uh, who's going to do it? Right. And, and so, yep. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, are Pastor you gonna, Sean. Are you going to ask the last question? Oh, yeah, I can ask the last question. All right. This is only 50 minutes long, right? The Okay. Um, it's, it's going people, on. Yeah. The uh, question is, uh, how are you going to get the cat folks back on Sunday? Like, how are you going to build trust with the cat people again since you, you dissed their favorite I animal? I didn't diss... What point? I talked about... The, you talked bad like, about the cat I'm folks, apparently. I'm getting uncomfortable, apparently. actually, at this point. So. Well... 
Uh, You're not an animal person. I'm not an animal person. But you actually. you did say we needed to treat animals humanely. Yes. That was, well, that was I couldn't agree. I it, have a dog, and he's got you have good, to preach that to yourself every he's morning. Got good I got to treat the he's dog. Got, no, no, no. Humanely. He's got medical care, and you know he's got a lot of love. And he's you have not, dog insurance? <laughs> no dog insurance. Oh, so now he doesn't have medical care then. Well, he goes to the vet when oh. he needs it. Well, medical. Do you have a dog insurance? I don't have dog insurance. All right. No. I'll try we just wait it out. He's going to get better eventually. I'd like to tell my cat people that I'm going to get a cat and join them, but that that probably isn't going to happen. Yeah. So, but let's anyway. just leave this uncomfortable. Okay. For our small group. Okay. Leaders. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. All That's right. it. Signing off. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>